Good morning. I want to welcome you to First Baptist Sandy Springs. The fog has lifted and it's a beautiful day outside. You know, God is a wonderful, wonderful God. And in, in the sunshine, he can, in a moment, change things just like that. Of course, not only in the sunshine, but in all things. And we're here this morning to worship him. So I would ask you to stand as we begin our worship together.
Usher, would you close those doors, please, the outside doors? Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship his holy name, sing like never before, oh my soul, worship your holy name, the song comes up. It's a new day dawning It's time to sing your song again Whatever may pass And whatever lies before me Let me be singing when the evening comes Bless the
be seated. I don't know who's helping whom when we get up those steps together like that. <laughs> We're happy to have Arnold come and sing for us again this morning. Most of you have met him before and you have heard him before. So he is a man of God and he loves to sing. Arnold. I don't know if it's old age or what, but I have trouble balancing. You, you losing your balance, you old folks? Man, why? Uh, I've sung here, let's see, December the 8th. You had me here. And on the way home, I said, where are my glasses? I lost them. My wife and I looked all over the house. We looked everywhere. I went out and bought a new pair. And guess where I found them? There they are. You ever do that? <laughs> now, this don't mean a thing to you young people. Wait till you get old. You'll know what I'm talking about. All right, Closer to You, Lord. I used to sing this song in Miami with Margie Hart. It was a duet. And Margie's gone on to be with the Lord now, and so I'm left. But here it is, Closer to You. closer 
and closer to There's a connect card in the pew and in the foyer. If you have a prayer request, I'd love for you to fill that out. Um, if you want to join the church, you can do it that way as well. Be baptized. Uh, leave a message. So I want you to know that those are going to be available anytime you want them. Um, some of you have perfect attendance for the new year. And so bless you and your perfect attendance at church for, for 2020. And, and bless you for holding on to your resolutions. I resolve to be smaller than I am and uh, you know your body's the temple of God and I realized I was becoming a mega church and I didn't want that to occur <laughs> and so so far 12 pounds six six pounds in 12 days so I should disappear in about 15 months I think is the way that works Dan was a single guy lived at home with his father they were workaholics. Dad was very successful, and Dan was to inherit his father's business. Uh, only child, and Dad got sick and was given not too long to live. So Dan thought he should have a wife, and one evening at an investment meeting, he spotted the most beautiful woman he'd ever seen. He approached her and said, I, I may look just like an ordinary guy, but in a few months my father will pass and I'll inherit $200 million, thinking that should make him more attractive to the beautiful woman. She was impressed, asked for his business card, to which he gave. Three days later, she became his stepmother. <laughs> Talk about vision. Oh, my God. Goodness. This may be my favorite definition of vision. Vision is a God-given plan that he desires to make a man-made reality. A God-given plan that he desires to make a man-made reality. And so today we're going to look at uh, God's original plan for growing churches. Before we do that, let's pray. Lord, thank you for each one here. And thank you, Father, that you called us together and we answered that divine call to be in your house today. Lord, church growth can mean a lot of things. It can mean new people, and we pray for that. But hopefully, too, it means us growing, changing our attitudes, us growing and becoming what you want us to become, us growing to serve, us growing to share. So, Father, bless us in our growth as well. Today, as we look at your word, we ask that you would inspire us as you inspired the writers who wrote it. Your spirit inspired them, so we ask for your spirit to be present with us today to work in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So God's original plan for church growth is found in the book of Acts. Last week, we looked uh, at Acts chapter 1, and we focused on this verse, verse 14. Uh, all these, and it mentioned the disciples by name before this, were constantly devoting themselves to prayer together with certain women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, as well as his brothers. And so we talked about those two dozen people, and we could trace our lineage back to that gathering that day of a couple of dozen. 
and ask you to choose someone that you know that is without Christ so that you can pray for them and hopefully lead them to Christ in 2020. So today we're going to continue with the rest of the story, what happened after Acts chapter 1, verse 14. And the church exploded. And you might ask the question, why? And I'm glad you asked because I'm going to tell you. When we read the book of Acts, the record of the early church's history, we see that miracles happened every single day. Uh, the church didn't really follow sign and wonder. Signs and wonders followed them, and that sounds so exciting. That's something I'd love to be a part of, but let's look at verse 15. We ended at verse 14 last week. We start verse 15 today. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers. Together, the crowd numbered about 120 people. So we've gone from the couple dozen that met in the room in verse 14 to Peter speaking to the believers. Uh, gathered there were 120. We skip to chapter 2, verse 41, and look at this. So those who welcomed his message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 were added. That's an interesting growth pattern, isn't it? We've gone from 20 to 120 to 3,000 in the speed of light. So what happened? And we're going to look at obvious things that happened in the biblical record to cause church growth. Number one is the coming of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Jesus didn't leave those gathered that day empty-handed. It's not like God came to earth and just left. Jesus said, good things are going to happen and look what we are told in Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, 120 of them. And suddenly from heaven, there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind. It filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as a fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. So this is not speaking of tongues that scares Baptists to death. This is speaking in other languages so they're able to share with people uh, what is going on in their own language. So that's what's happening. Let me ask you this, and, and that's the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came. Is the Holy Spirit still on this planet today? Absolutely. Answer this question. Do we still have the same access today they had that day? I believe we do. And so when you see that happen in the early church, we have to understand how, how much we depend on the Holy Spirit and how much we should seek the Spirit of God to lead us. Look what we're told in John chapter 14. Jesus said this beginning at verse 12. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will do also do the works that I do and in fact will do greater works than these because I'm going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If in my name you ask me for anything, I will do it. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. I'll ask the Father, and he'll give you another advocate to be with you forever, the Holy Spirit. This is the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him. You know him because he abides in you, and he will be in you. But verse 12 just blows my mind when Jesus said, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do and in fact will do greater works than these. And so there's no excuse about, you know, Jesus is not here. Jesus is saying, hey, when the Holy Spirit comes, 
anything and everything can happen. God wants to do, be a partner with us through all that we do. And so we're going to look at our part next. God does his part. Our part next, there's four more things that are reasons that the early church exploded. And those are found in verse 42 of Acts chapter 2. Look what they did. They could be us. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayers. Teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. Teaching. Can you imagine sitting at the apostles' feet, listening to them teach? Would you not have questions? Would you mind telling us that Lazarus thing again? Because they saw it. Or, or, you know, could you, did he really walk on the water? Did, did he really make someone that could not see, see? And all of the teaching that the people would just sit there and listen to the apostles teach about all the things Jesus did. I'd have loved that, been there to see the twinkle in their eye and to hear their voices. The apostles were there. They walked with Jesus. And today, we need to devote ourselves to that same teaching. The same teaching that they devoted themselves to, that Christ can do anything, that he died for us, and rose for us, and lives today. So let me give you a challenge. Read a book every day, a New Testament book. Start in, if you don't do that, start in Matthew chapter 1 and do that on the first day of the month. And today, you could read Matthew chapter 12 and just read a book every day. Let Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John tell you about Jesus. And when you've repeated that over and over again, find, find more to read. Colossians 3.16 puts it this way. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach and admonish one another in all wisdom and with gratitude in your heart. Sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. One of the things that's interesting, devoting ourselves to teaching means we have a teachable spirit. You ever known anybody that knows everything? We have to have teachable spirits, and we have to devote ourselves to teaching. That's why we have Sunday school, and that's why it's so important, and one of our goals for 2020 is to increase our Sunday school attendance. And we've got a place for you. If you don't know where that place is, come see me after church, and I'll take you to my class, um, or I'll point you to another one. That's okay, too. Wednesday nights, we're starting our study on spiritual discipline. This coming Wednesday night, we're going to begin our study on the discipline of Bible study, and I've asked people to do homework to bring favorite websites or favorite books that they use for their Bible study. And if you've wondered about Bible study and want to increase on yours, you come Wednesday night and we'll give you some help about that. But that's what teaching is. And so you can't be taught if you're not there. So we'd love for you to be there with us. So they devoted themselves to teaching and churches do that. They devoted themselves to fellowship. The early church did a lot. They would just hang out together. Parents tell their children, told them then, tell them now, be careful who you hang out with. And our Heavenly Father tells us the same thing. 2 Corinthians 6.14 says this, do not be mismatched with unbelievers. For what partnership is there between righteousness and lawlessness? Or what fellowship is there between light and darkness? One of the things as a church we should do is fellowship with one another and with other Christians. Several years ago, 
I read a book on fellowship, and it, it used an, an interesting illustration. It was the example of the way geese travel. You've watched how geese fly over in their V formations. The book said uplift is 71% greater than flying the distance alone. 71% greater. The study of geese went on to say that the honking was meant to encourage. And so they're getting uplift, and they're getting uplifted as they hang together. And so too should we. 1 Thessalonians 5, 11 says, Therefore encourage one another and build up each other as indeed you are doing. Galatians 6, 2 says, Bear one another's burdens and in this way you'll fulfill the law of Christ. Let me tell you something that happened this week. The young lady, Sarah Lacey, that died in Texas. Frank Self, who... Is Frank upstairs or he's downstairs in the nursery? Frank's downstairs. There's Frank. He's a good Baptist. He's in the back. Frank has a relative that works in the town of Grapevine, Texas. And he called her. Is this a niece, Frank, you said? And he called her to see if she could go by and just encourage the Lacy's. He didn't know if she knew them or not. In fact, they go to the same church. In fact, one of her jobs at the church is to minister to families that have gone through funerals or who are going through funerals. And so what Frank did is already being done, but Frank just wanted to make sure it's being done. And if you've gone through something like that, you realize the fellowship, how important that is to get you through something. And a lot of you are shaking your heads right now that have been through something. Without that fellowship, I cannot imagine. When Jeannie and I had our first child and we were at a church in Indiana, and all the family was hundreds of miles away, we needed that fellowship to help us be a village to raise our children, and they did. And so we're so thankful for fellowship. We need it. God made us that way. After he said everything was good in creation, remember the first thing God said wasn't good? It's not good to be alone. And fellowship is so important. Ecclesiastes 4 puts it this way. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm, but how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. I had a friend call me not too long ago, and he, he doesn't go to church, and I guess I'm kind of his pastor, and he, he said with his problem, he said, I didn't know who else to call. Isn't that sad? He needs fellowship. He needs to have a great list of people that he could call fellowship. Next it says, one of the reasons for the church growth um, was they were devoted to the breaking of bread. So we've talked about teaching, we've talked about fellowship, and now devoted to the breaking of bread. Now some say this is communion. Uh, others say it is really just the practice of eating together uh, as friends, and, and I think that's where most scholarship is, and that's kind of where I'm going today. The early church ate together a lot. Often it would include the Lord's Supper, though. But isn't there something about eating together? There's something special about just doing that and learning about one another. Churches build building around eating together, don't we? We build fellowship halls. 
when we built the Family Life Center, the church I was at in Indiana, uh, they wanted to make sure there was enough tables and chairs so everybody could finally eat together in one room. It was interesting in the building process, they also wanted to know where to put the DJ for the dances at the weddings, but it was an American Baptist church, so that's okay. Churches build buildings around eating. Some say the first rule of church growth is this, if you feed them, they will come. If you feed them, they will come. It works. I started a tradition in Mississippi for Thanksgiving, the Wednesday before, the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. We cooked catfish and boiled shrimp because you get turkey and dressing at home. And it's become the biggest meeting all year at that church. It's a wonderful time of fellowship. And here we've started a shrimp boil, and it's a wonderful time. I read a story about a pastor traveling with a Brazilian seminary student. Along the way, the pastor asked the student if he'd like to stop for a cup of coffee, and the student said, I'd be honored. So the professor swung through a Starbucks, and the pastor swung through a Starbucks and went through the drive through Once on their way, the student was very quiet, and when pressed about his silence, the pastor said, what's wrong? And the student says, I thought you were asking me to be your friend. I thought we were going to sit together and share life. That's breaking bread together. And finally, the Holy Spirit, teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread. You knew the next one had to be prayer, didn't you? That's in the model. We talk about prayer a lot. We encourage you to join with us on Wednesday nights for prayer time as we intercede, but also pray for the life of our church. James 5 puts it this way, beginning at verse 13. Are any among you suffering? They should pray. Are any cheerful? They should sing songs of praise. Any among you sick? They should call for the elders of the church and have them pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise them up, and anyone who's committed sins will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you might be healed. The prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. That is true when James wrote them, and that is true today. So pray for your church. Pray for your pastor. Pray for one another. Let's look forward to 2020. And so what can you do to help? Well, you just heard. Lean on the Holy Spirit. Devote yourself to teaching. Devote yourself to fellowship. Devote yourselves to breaking of the bread. And devote yourselves to prayer. When that happens, God will bless us. Let's pray together. God, as we sit here, we ask the question, can you really use me? When we think about even asking such a question, we realize it's silly because, yes, you can. The Bible is filled with stories about you using people that we might not think you would use, but you use them in great ways. So, Father, use us in great ways from youngest to oldest, from richest to poorest. Father, no matter what we think of ourselves, you think more. You think so much you sent Jesus to die for us. And so, Father, help us as we involve ourselves in the ministries of teaching and fellowship and feeding others and praying. Let's see what comes of this as we seek you. Father, we love you and we thank you.
for this model for us. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. One of the things that we did last Sunday as we opened the altar for you to pray for other people, uh, and, and a lot of you did that, and thank you for doing that. What we're going to do today is just encourage you to, to just plant those seeds in your mind. What can I do to help teach? What can I do to help with fellowship? What can I do with help feeding others? And what can I do to help with prayer? Think about that. And may God answer your prayers, and let's see what happens. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.